I want you to imagine what's in your refrigerator now. In fact, maybe we could compare if I go over to mine right now. Milk, ketchup, eggs, a few containers of leftovers are sitting here. Of course, the further I go back, the more exotic things seem to get, and I'm not talking about what the leftovers are, but maybe what's on top of those leftovers. Now, you can tell me that there's nothing spoiling in your fridge, but I'm not going to believe you. After all, some reports have pointed out that of all the food we bring into our house, about 20% of it goes out by way of the garbage. Think about that. 20% of your food budget just thrown away. But it isn't just us as everyday consumers that are wasting food. We see it up and down the food chain, from processors to retailers, and right back to the farm, all the way to a restaurant kitchen. Throwing away food is something we all seem to be good at. I'm Andrew Campbell, and this is Food Bubble, where the conversation today is all about food waste. How much is there? I'll give you a hint, it's a lot. We got a call from a corporation and they have 55 tractor trailer loads of milk. They just have this sur- 55 tractor trailer loads of surplus milk. But this is not unusual. I mean, if we're wasting and losing 58% of all the food that's produced for Canadians, that's a drop in the bucket. And of course, the question to find out is what can we do about it? We figured one of the best people to ask that to is someone who is doing something about it. I'm Lori Nickel, and I am the CEO of Second Harvest. Reducing waste through logistics, through technology, and by just reminding you, you don't have to buy so much. We are Canada's first and largest food recovery organization. And essentially that means that there's so much surplus food that's going into landfill, it's our job to make sure that it gets distributed. It's all next on Food Bubble. Knowing you've chosen the best insurance company to protect your business should not be complicated. If you have a farm, you need a farm insurance expert. Trillium Mutual's Real Ontario Farm Insurance Brokers understand the unique needs of your farm operation. Trust them to provide you with the best coverage across Ontario. To find a Real Ontario Farm Insurance Broker near you, visit TrilliumMutual.com and follow them on Facebook and Twitter at Trillium Mutual for tips on how to protect what matters most to you. That rotting spinach that's sitting in your crisper, at least the one that's sitting in my crisper, is one example of food waste. But so is throwing away an apple because it didn't meet a requirement for size or for shape. Or maybe switching a line in a factory resulted in a bunch of product having to be thrown away because of cross-contamination. Whatever form it takes, it takes away a lot of food. The biggest reason it's coming to the forefront of conversations is the environmental impact that has. Rotting food releases carbon. Trucks had to transport that food that eventually rotted, which emitted pollution. At the farm level, a farmer had to drive their tractor, add fertilizer to help grow the crop. Also, it could be thrown away? It doesn't seem to make much sense. Plus the fact that if we stopped wasting food, we as Canadians would save some $50 billion dollars makes that latest election campaign promise seem pretty small, doesn't it? For Lori Nickel and her group Second Harvest in Toronto, this has been a passion and a drive for her for a long time. Maybe, Lori, we can start with the numbers. How big of a deal is food waste here in Canada? 
Well, that's a really good question in terms of measurement. So we we didn't even really know or understand how much food was being lost or wasted in Canada or even globally until a year ago when we did a groundbreaking research report with Value Chain Management International. And it was it was groundbreaking in terms of it was the first study ever done using primary data and using like creating food as volume so it was consistent. And what we learned was in Canada alone, we lose or waste 58% of all the food that's produced for Canadians, including imports. So we waste more food than we consume. That's a stunning number. It is. It's it's astounding. <laughs> it's astounding. Uh, we've really lost the intrinsic value of food that it's just a disposable commodity now. It's throwaway. Um, so at Second Harvest, we've been working on this problem for about 35 years. And we knew the problem was big, but we didn't know how big until we did that research. So this year, we we just got our numbers out actually yesterday. We rescued and delivered 15.6 million pounds of fresh surplus food, primarily uh, produce, dairy, and protein. And we do that strategically because that's the food that low-income people have the hardest time accessing. So we are a dual mission organization. We are no waste, no hunger. And our goal is to make sure no food ever ends up in landfill, creating carbon pollution, and as much good food gets to people. So then let's kind of break those into two different categories here. And we'll start with the no waste side. Where are you guys getting your food from? How do you come in contact with it? How do you bring it in? Kind of all the more the logistics side of side of it. Yep, that's a great question. We have been for about 33 years. We were working with the logistics business, basically. So we were a fleet of refrigerated trucks crisscrossing across Ontario to capture surplus food from farms, from processors, from retail, anywhere that there was food available. We were that one-stop shop. You can call us and we will make sure we can access it and we'll grab it. What we found a few years ago was there's a whole lot of food out there that doesn't actually make sense to send a truck to capture for environmental reasons. um, We really, until we can uh, change our fleet to a totally green fleet. We really don't want to be burning fossil fuels um, and having an impact on the environment negatively unless there's a huge score at the end of it. So it's okay to send our truck you know, to Leamington if we're grabbing 12, 16, 20 skids of tomatoes because that's required. But it's not okay to send a truck to even Toronto to grab two sandwiches. So in an effort to capture that food, because when you add up all those two sandwiches, it's a huge amount of food as well, we created an online tool called foodrescue.ca. It's really just the e-harmony of food. It, uh, food donors or food businesses register, they upload what food they have, and then an email or text goes out to agencies in that community and a social service organization will say, yes, that's the food I want, and they'll go pick it up. So this has eliminated a whole lot of, of the, the fleet logistics. And now we're doing things, not we, we're really empowering communities to do things. So this is a tool that you can use. We're happy to provide the tool, any kind of training, but every community is doing something in food. 
So why not help them as much as we can? So this tool has um, been launched across Ontario and we launched in June in British Columbia and we'll be launching nationally within the next two or three years. Wow, that's exciting. And what a way to spread your footprint too from just where the truck can drive to in a day, but to really right. make it into that national program. Is there anything else like that out there? Not There's so many things, but what there isn't is one connected thing. <laughs> so this was our way of saying, how do we connect all these great uh, programs that are happening? Because it doesn't make sense for Second Harvest to have a logistics business in every province. There are great organizations that are doing great things. So why wouldn't we just enhance what they're doing? So we really see ourselves as, as that one-stop shop. If it's about food recovery, we can help you, whether you're the organization that needs food or you're the food business that has food. We can always network you into the place you need to be. So then do you see, you mentioned that kind of 58 million pounds of food. Have you already seen an impact that now that you've kind of made it this, uh, you know, opened it up to Ontario, opened it up to BC recently, that now all of a sudden you're seeing an even bigger impact as it goes through that foodrescue.ca? Absolutely. Um, what's The bigger impact is, although there's smaller yields of food, there's more organizations accessing it. And it's providing more than just food to programs. So we really want to disrupt this notion that Food should only be leveraged, and it's always about poor people or low-income communities. There's enough surplus food to feed every Canadian for five months. We want everyone to access this food. If you're running a nonprofit of any kind, whether it be for addiction and mental health or after-school programming or housing or whatever that is, please access this system because what it will let you do is save your food budget so you can use that money on programs that enhance your clients. So I'll give you an example. We have a, uh, a housing center downtown, and their primary program is not about food security. It's housing support for schizophrenics. And they're on foodrescue.ca. And what that allows them to do is integrate their clients into the community because they're the runners. They're the ones that go get the food. And so now they're in a, in a social situation in a very different way. And all the food that they're bringing back is supplementing their lunches and their dinners. And the money that they've saved has allowed them to purchase a van so they can go on more outings. So it does far more than just feed people. It's like feeding a whole system and so many other important programs so is that, and that goes into kind of the no hunger side of things I wanted to, you know, chat with you about too, because has this always been kind of the idea of Second Harvest as a group or is kind of moving beyond just supporting, you know, as you mentioned, kind of just, you know, those low income folks that maybe we first think of when we think of, you know, where could some of this go to, um, or, or has this always been kind of the idea of Second Harvest to, you know, really spread it out to anyone that needs it and divert some of that waste wherever it can go? So we're moving into that place. You know, the more you know, the better you do. And just by understanding the amount of surplus food that's available, this has allowed us to really open access up. Of course, it's always 
going to leverage more in the low income neighborhoods or communities or organizations because they really need it to support their programs. And we know many programs where the only food that they have is second harvest food, whether it be the trucks or the online platform. And that's critical. So that's always going to happen. But we want it to be more universal. So for an example, in child nutrition programs in schools, the beauty of those are they're universal. No child ever has to put their hand up and say, I'm poor. And then they access their morning meal. It's not like that. It's every child has access. So it takes a stigma out of it. Whether you need it or not, the food is available. And that's what we're really trying to do is take the stigma out of food. Food is food is food. There's enough of it for all of us. So let's make sure we spread it around. Let's back up a little bit more because you mentioned earlier, you know, produce, dairy, um, you know, meat protein was obviously kind of your biggest areas in terms of moving that, um, you know, product around. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, where specifically is some of that coming from? Where are you finding, you know, some of the biggest diversions happening now that, you know, you guys have been involved for so long? I mean, the biggest yields at one time are, are usually from farms. But uh, distribution centers, processors, manufacturers, um, we do some retail, but the retail, their margins are very small. So there's not as much surplus food as I think a lot of people believe there is. So it's really much further up the value chain. We got a call from a corporation and they have 55 tractor trailer loads of milk. And that's just producer. (laughs) They just have this 55 tractor trailer loads of surplus milk. So then we had to network that across Canada. 55 tractor trailer loads. That is an unbelievable amount of finding a very fresh product on your doorstep to deal with. But this is not unusual. I mean, if we're wasting and losing 58% of all the food that's produced for Canadians, that's a drop in the bucket. There's far, far, far more out there. Well, and so I guess that that probably, um, you know, kind of points to, you know, that that when you talk about that number, I don't think most Ontarians, most Canadians would recognize it as being that much, um, you know, food waste. So from a consumer standpoint, maybe not just from the farm or processor or distribution, but from a consumer point, you know, how, how do you see their involvement in trying to reduce food waste or, you know, getting involved in programs like, you know, the foodrescue.ca or Second Harvest or anything? Where Where is their role in all of this? That's a great question. Um, there's, a, there's a couple of ways I would answer that. The first one would be that I often find that the consumer uh, carries a lot of blame when we talk about food loss and waste, or at least they used to. And I never believed that the that it really had to land at the consumer's feet because it's not about what you and me are doing as individuals. It's a systems problem. So we have, a, we have to change an entire system. Having said that, of course, in the home, there is still work to do. We know that 21% of all the food loss and waste is happening in the home. And a lot of that has to do with uh, manufacturing practices like best before dates. And not understanding the, how to store food properly or necessarily how to cook food or the amount of food you might need for the week or there's many other things. But it's not the primary challenge isn't really at the individual. That doesn't mean we can't do something. So we should push back. We need to not 
we need to start valuing food like our grandparents did. We need to stop looking at it like a commodity. And when we go shopping, we need to buy less because I, everyone is throwing away food that they put in the fridge. I have yet to meet, well, I've met a couple people, but so marginalized that are not wasting food in the home. So we have to, you know, just be a bit more thoughtful about that and recognize that we live in a fast society and with the best of intentions that we all have, um, there's always going to be those days that you're not cooking at home. And so just buy less food and then push back with your, your, um, your retail or your producer, because the truth is they're bearing a market that we're requesting. So we overproduce because there's this thought that consumers want all of this uh, diversity. And, you know, it's not natural to have strawberries in January. <laughs> and that's okay. Let's not have them in, in January then if it's not appropriate. Like seasonality of food is appropriate. And so that's where a lot of this waste is coming. We're just so used to having so much. Um, we don't respect it anymore for the nourishment that it is. Now, you mentioned kind of that pushback as a consumer. I'm curious that as you've, um, you know, gone out with, you know, all of these programs over the last number of years, what years, what kind of pushbacks have you seen from that food system, as you said, you know, in terms of trying to make adjustments to the whole system? I'll give you an example. I Working with a catering group a number of years ago, um, you know, there was an effort to you know, move some of the product that they never cooked or, you know, never used or anything to, um, you know, programs that might need them. But there was pushback to say, oh, well, um, you know, it's not as fresh. We don't want to be seen as accepting, you know, secondhand food. So therefore, we're not going to accept it. Um, you know, on the retail side, at, you know, at one time, you know, retailers were, you know, throwing it all in a dumpster because they found that as, you know, kind of seeing it as the way that it should be because they didn't want to be giving it away. Where else have you seen pushbacks? How do you, how do you approach somebody who says, we've done this forever, we'll keep doing it, and try to change their mind that there's a different way? Well, um, there's a couple ways. One is, I think, just education in terms of we have something called the Food Donation Act uh, in Ontario, and there are Food Donation Acts in every province and territory. So I, I had heard, I'm hearing it less now, but in a while ago was this, we're liable. If someone gets sick, we're liable. Well, that's not true. And so all I had to do was produce the legislation that says you're not liable. And so I've noticed that there's been a huge shift in retail, to be honest, where there was a time when they would donate to Second Harvest, but it was almost like a secret. And now it's not. Now they're proud to say this is what we're doing because I know uh, in industry, they are also trying to hit targets. Uh, food waste has become a challenge for everybody. Like everybody's involved, industry, government, academia, nonprofits. The way we handle it is through food redistribution. But there's a lot of other ways to handle it. And even at Second Harvest, we would say first, prevent it from happening. First, at the very first. If you cannot prevent it from happening, then you absolutely should ensure that people eat it. So the history of like five years ago or 10 years ago is not the same today. And a lot of that is through education. We have a love food, hate waste campaign. There is the national zero waste council of Canada and also the SDG goals. 
uh, food waste is 12.3. And there's a, a lot of attention now because there was never a, a link between climate change and food waste. And that was global. And it was only a couple of years ago that that link was made. And now there's, it's getting so much good attention because it's bad. So that's where I'm, I'm seeing a shift. And it's really because of that environmental impact that food waste is having on the environment. One of the other things we're also doing, though, and this is food recovery specific, is we're, we're not stopping at that research. Right now, we are uh, mapping out and doing a survey on food recovery and how it can work in different communities. And we're also mapping out every food, um, at every organization, nonprofit that has food somehow in their programming. It doesn't mean they're a food program, but there's food that's available. And what we've learned so far, and spoiler alert, is there's like 82,000 organizations across Canada that use food in their program in some way. So how do we get all of those organizations accessing that surplus food that's right there in their own community? Step one. That, I know, will have a huge impact on the food recovery numbers. Now, how that plays out in the farmer or like um, farmers don't grow crops to throw them away, full stop. They want their food to be eaten. So how are we making innovations in farming or in manufacturing or looking at just some common sense solutions? There's a great organization called Provision Coalition that does exactly that. So they'll go into your business and say, here's a couple of ways that you're wasting food. Oh, and by the way, it's costing you, I don't know, on aggregate, $260,000 a year. If you fix this one little thing, you can save yourself $260,000 a year and prevent all that food waste. So, so there are a lot of people working in this space right now and, and collaboratively, which is very, very nice. You know, when we talk about all of these things, so now, you know, that people are more aware, maybe we want to try to reduce waste. Um, you know, the, the feeling from processors and retailers is that it looks good to support food waste reduction initiatives. You've got programs like yours and obviously the new foodrescue.ca. Um, you know, you've got all these things lined up that, you know, maybe we can start making progress. How, how long do you think it does take? And is there ever an opportunity, is there ever a time when we get to, I mean, zero sounds a bit, um, you know, pie in the sky, but to near zero food waste. Can we ever do that? Oh, I'm forever the optimist and I want to believe yes. Um, the challenge is, and it's, I mean, it's a good challenge that we have, but our generation, the generation before ours, we've never actually had scarcity. So we are used to this huge abundance. Well, you know, our grandparents had scarcity. And so that's why we were taught never to waste food. But I don't think those lessons have, you know, they haven't gone generationally because there's so much food. Not that people don't want to see everyone having access to food, but how can you not become invested when you see what's happening, when you can see what the carbon pollution is doing? And what we know is food waste, if it were a country, it would be the largest, third largest gas emitter in the world. It would be second to China and the U.S., and then it's food waste. Because environmental impacts are catastrophic. And so as soon as we make sure everybody's aware of this, I mean, I think the world 
hopefully is pushing towards sustainability for our planet. And one of the ways, which is very simple, is eliminating as much as possible food waste. That seems like an easy one. Common sense, like you can't argue with common sense. There's food. Here's someone who needs food. Let's make the match. As for the next steps, the Center for Food Rescue Excellence is Lori's next big project for Second Harvest. With a 45,000 square foot facility that'll move millions of pounds in and out every year, they'll have training kitchens for everything from actual training to helping put together prepared meals, and of course to help develop Lori's newest weapon in this fight, data as in a place to bring together more research and more collaboration to make sure they keep winning the fight to just simply waste less. Canadian consumers have lots of questions about their food. Don't let someone else tell your story for you. Farmfood360.ca is an award-winning online video project. Its mission is to help farmers, food processors, and others tell their own stories in their own words and to be a trusted resource for consumers using high-quality video and 360-degree technology. Show the world the beauty of Canadian agriculture. Tell your story with farmfood360.ca. Visit www.farmfoodcareon.org for details. From nutrition to how it's grown, you have lots of questions about your food. Don't waste time online trying to find the best answers. Find food and farming information you can trust right now at bestfoodfacts.org. Bestfoodfacts.org connects you with leading university experts on food and farming in North America. A credible source found across all social channels, it features over 500 answered questions and new content every week. Your food and farming questions answered. Visit bestfoodfacts.org today. This episode of Food Bubble was produced by Jess Campbell. Ashley Ferrero also helps out. We put it together here at Fresh Air Media. In fact, we're actually looking for a little more help with it. If you'd like to be considered for that help, and it's a paying gig, although let's be honest, it doesn't pay very much, you can email me, andrew at thefreshair.ca. Of course, just like every other podcast you listen to, we're going to ask you to rate and review us. And while I'm sure you're like me and haven't rated many of the others that have asked, why not break that habit and help other people find us? After all, talking up all the information about what's on your dinner plate and how it got there is something we can agree on makes for pretty interesting dinner conversations. So make the exception, head over to Apple Podcasts right now and add your thoughts about the show. And if you happen to listen via any of our other platforms like Google, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, or anything else, well, feel free to pass along the link through your social media platform of choice. Thanks for listening. We'll talk food again soon.